Welcome to The Twin Geeks 180. I'm back here with Perla, and we're doing Todd Haynes today. We have Safe. How are you, Perla? I'm doing well. Pretty excited to be a Mariner fan. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's been an amazing, uh, well, few months since like uh, I thought we were out in June. Uh, it's turned for us. Uh, I'm just going to say this I on the last podcast because it was not going well for us Mariners, especially after the All-Star break. I said if we made it to the playoffs, I'd eat my microphone. So offer still stands, Mariners. You know what to do. I will eat this microphone, put some pumpkin spice and make it fall and taste good. Maybe, you know, some pears. Who knows? I mean, maybe but I will eat like, my microphone. Maybe we record it on a podcast. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, just Me audio. Like, yeah. Or or it's an audio so offensive that <laughs> it should never be played like in Grizzly Man. It could end up being like ASMR for someone. I don't know. People are are into strange audio uh, artifacts now. Um, I'm really into ASMR cleaning. You are? <laughs> yeah. Like I love watching people organize their makeup. It just, it is like a Xanax and a glass of wine put together for me. It's just, it's so nice i don't know but like you said everyone has their own little asmr kinks who knows i guess this will be out in a couple weeks but just last night as of this recording we had the most amazing amazing mariners game just like lights out everywhere looked so good uh yeah i i mean grand slams <laughs> when you hit seven runs in one inning and you're the team that's doing it it feels great it feels wonderful i was I sadly due to you know pollution and this is going to really go well into our uh episode movie that we're talking about okay. uh, I couldn't attend the game because my lung capacity and asthma oh. would it would I it would be bad I mean I last year had to be sent home by the firemen they escorted me out of the park like you, you can't oh, be no. here you need to be somewhere where you can breathe properly would so you say I watched... would you say you have an allergy to the 20th century is that yeah, I have earth pollution. Actually, believe it or not, my diagnosis is I have environmental asthma. Okay, that something my, like that. Then. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that. That's why uh, when we talked about this movie, <laughs> I said, yeah, I was watching Safe while I was waiting for my COVID test to come back. Not the best. I muted myself. I'm oh, so no. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you ate your microphone. I, I wasn't sure. Um, I did. Uh, okay. so let me start that again. We're going to have to edit this out. Okay, so for all the Mariner fans that are listening to this podcast, just know on this day... Sunday, the 27th of August, 2023, uh, the day of our Lord, that the day that we, the Mariners, we, like I play this game, uh, we became first place contenders of the AL West, first mm -hmm. time since 2003. It's long ago, 20 years. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's like Ichiro is on the team, you know, yeah. we just put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's been great. I was actually, I will be bragging about this. I got to sit on the field to see Felix get his Hall of Fame oh. induction. Yeah, and I became a fan because of Felix. So I don't know what baseball <laughs> gods blessed me with this event, but I cried the entire time. Shout out to Lady Gaga's liquid eyeliner. Never smeared once. Um, <laughs> when I was being escorted to my seat, uh, fans could look down and see the tunnel that we were walking in and they mm -hmm. started clapping and I kind of waved and they one little kid gave me like a heart emoji. And I I, I think when I found out <laughs> later is like they knew we were like the chosen fans. 
That's pretty cool to be the chosen fans. How do you get chosen for that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like they asked, like they did this big raffle lottery and they're like, tell us why you should be on the field for, uh, hit, you know, this event. So Mm -hmm. I have (laughs) ready to serve a four page essay on why I love Felix (laughs) Hernandez and why I became a Seattle Mariner and I commute from Portland and I was at the final game and I got the last turkey leg so i think um psychosis is what got me on that field uh i didn't actually come back to earth until the sixth inning and i realized like oh my god kirby's in this game still why have we not hit runs oh my gosh we're about to get felix we did uh but it was amazing i i still cry from happiness just thinking about it just to see someone like felix who spent his whole career and all he wanted to do is play on the playoffs get this accolade uh he might be able to go into cooperstown on a first round ballot because he had the perfect game for so many years because he had it for over a decade mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's great to be a mariner fan um <laughs> trash shows good luck and yeah, we just swept you ha 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 uh <laughs> but yeah it's i don't know baseball makes me so happy me too it's, it's yeah. really sad right now because football's about to start and that's when the 12s come out and it's oh. i understand you, you guys have your team but I don't know. I just like sports without less concussions. And so that's, yeah, I, I think I've been on the soapbox enough, but I'm just yeah. grateful. It's just one month till hockey. So I don't have to deal with Yeah. And see, that that's one. another thing too, is I got to get used to like hockey's in my backyard now. So I got to just be ready for the Kraken. I might be able to go to a pre uh, preseason game, mm-hmm. uh, which will be fun, but yeah, I never got to go to any, but I'm pretty excited. I mean, the, Seattle needs a basketball team because why? Uh, <laughs> it's so sad. I I'm I'm like forced to watch the Trailblazers, but you know uh, you got to do what you got to so do. I know. I I grew up now. Keep in mind, I grew up watching the Golden State Warriors, and okay. they were like terrible. I mean, they were bad, bad, bad. And so I just you really understand basketball or any sport better when you watch a team that isn't as built as like a good team. So maybe that's why I love the Mariners so much is because I've seen the progression and the uptick of seeing the team, you know, be eliminated from the playoffs by like this time, you know, yeah. in in the years, in the season. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of nerves. Um, My blue sky that I'm on is probably going to just be a lot of big <laughs> capital letters and me being nervous and giving myself, you know, a heartburn because I'm in my 40s. And so that's what happens when you're a Mariner fan. But, you know, I'm lots just of heartburn, yeah. lots of heartburn, lots of heartburn, lots of hand wringing, lots of. All right. Well, I guess I got to go buy another $16 beer because you guys can't seem to figure it out. Um, <laughs> and so we, you know, it's just it's a lot of fun when you message me. And you're like, so we're going to talk about the Mariners. Like, wonderful. My other <laughs> favorite topic. Why yeah. don't we? Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's a good feeling. I, I'll never probably, maybe when we win the world series, if that day ever comes, I'll be able to replicate the feeling of when Cal Raleigh hit that home run. And I was sitting in the stands. <laughs> and if you want to know a group of nerves, just imagine, I don't know if you were at the game or saw it, mm. but just imagine a lot of people holding their breath as it went over the bases and where we were, we couldn't see where the ball landed, and we just saw the reaction, and that's how we knew we hit the home run. And mm-hmm. then I cried for twenty minutes, hugging strangers, <laughs> and and then I jumped four rows of seats to go run and get a hat because I was getting a hat that night. That said playoffs, and by the time 
between so I think the game ended like close to 9 30 and between the celebration and the fireworks we weren't leaving the park till 11 mm. and by the time we got to our car it was midnight we had to go get champagne so we went and grabbed champagne <laughs> and then my body just powered off like an old cell phone like I fell asleep with my clothes on with my shoes on and then we had to get up and go to the season ticket party that was at like 10 a.m. in the morning the next day. So mm. lots of little sleep and little sleep compared to being hungover was the you know, how I felt. But it's an amazing feeling. I I just know Mariner fans and I've met some devoted Mariner fans. Not like me that was like, well, I'm in Portland. I'm by myself. Nobody sees me suffer. Who've been to games like since the 90s. And so to see the team have this ultimate renaissance after, you know, the, the Kings have left Ichiro, Felix, Seeger, Mitch Haniger, who, you know, his whole entire thing was to, you know, end the fucking drought to quote him directly yeah. to see this happen again with, with Julio with, you know, we lost Paul Seawald in the trade, in the mm -hmm. trade deadline to get like Rojas and, um, um, Calzone who are just, are just doing a great job. So yeah. Thank you, Mariners. I was just into it in the early 90s and then my whole life. But um, I think that feel it's starting to feel like that again when Griffey yeah. was here. Uh, Julio, uh, more than his J-Rod nickname, it's starting to feel like Ken Griffey to me in the way that he's bringing the whole city together. Uh, and it feels like he is our number one athlete at the moment. And he's very humble, too. I love how yeah, I don't know. If I really watched... enjoy him. Yeah, he's very humble. He isn't, you know, like some players. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't like the J-Rod thing. I think yeah, I, 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 but see, that's why people are taking it back is that's why they're like, no, it's J-Rod because yeah. they don't want it's only. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah, we could reown it. We could. Take yeah, it exactly. Back and, and as long as he never goes to the Yankees, we'll be OK. I mean, he, I mean, I think, I think the Mariners mortgaged everyone's house to give him the money and the deal that he got. So I think I he's think, locked up for like 15 yeah, years. He's locked up till he's like in his forties or so like his <laughs> mid thirties. He's here for a while. Hopefully um, he's playing by then. Yeah. You know, yeah. He'll, he'll get a bombing Bolivia deal, you know, just making millions every year for 20 like years. Like Griffey. I think he was uh, uh, just still on the Cincinnati payroll to like, I think he still is like the last few years. Oh yeah, um, the Griffey trade always. I it was hilarious. Big... Well, it's because we gave him away for nothing. But right. what are you going to tell the man who's like built a stadium? That's why they say. Like I heard someone, I think it was the Rybrad Investors podcast, Great Mariner podcast. If you haven't mm -hmm. listened to it, where they said, yeah, T T Mobile Safeco Park is the house that Griffey built, but yeah. J Rod and Julio, he he's the master of the house now. Like that's his house now. He's the new daddy, and I'm just like, that's yeah, perfect. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who's going to own the house and be the one that actually defines what happens here. I think, uh, and he's like on on a huge run, like one of the fastest to 50 home runs as a Mariner. Yeah, and speaking of which, um, he just uh, leapfrogged uh, J Rod or yeah. J Rod leaped A Rod today. He did. So that's yeah, he did. He did. He he beat him with fastest uh, and most home runs as a Mariner. Amazing. So, or yeah, it's uh, baseball stats are just blowing up right now. I <laughs> I needed to ask. I need to ask one of my contacts. Like, can I get the game notes for today? Because they're they're going to be off the wall. Like Ty France, of course, has the most hits by pitch. The fourth season in a row, third season in a row. Now he's been um, hit by a pitch, uh, the most in the MLB. So it's it's pretty insane. I don't even know how to 
talk about what's going on right now because I don't want to jinx it. I, I, I don't either. Want, yeah. Maybe we go into in, safe. Uh, yeah, maybe that's safer. Let's, let's talk about safe. Yes. Let's talk about a movie. <laughs> I like of... to bring uh, people who are very uh, experienced in topics. And I don't mean to like bring you on, like if you're like suffering from a, a similar like ailment, I hope it's not like a triggering movie. No, more no. More than it needs to be. No, it's, it's not that bad of a movie. It was just terrifying the first time I watched it because yeah. One, I actually went and researched it and I found it again. Uh, so in the height of the pandemic, this movie, when, and I mean like height, I'm talking March 2020, like when things were going real bad. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're, things were going to be fine. It's just two weeks, right? So, and I'll send you this article. Um, someone in the New Yorker wrote about how Todd Haynes use safe as an allegory for AIDS. Yeah. That's what uh, uh, it's pretty is. literal there with the guy yeah. who like runs the foundation as yeah. HIV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says he's he has AIDS but he's not going to do anything but lives in a big mansion. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Uh very cult like. And so what uh what was happening to me when I watched it was so I read this article about Julianne Moore and and safe mm -hmm. was for a while uh, you couldn't find it you unless you went to a physical media store. So what happens is the pandemic is starting to kick off. People are starting to die in, in droves, like hundreds by the hour. It was very scary to watch as just a, a human. We uh, we had some questionable actions that were happening. Like some states like Washington and Oregon and California were like, yeah, we're going to shut everything down. We're just going to, you know, just do what we can and just mm -hmm. stay away from each other. Just please just be smart with your actions which to some people that meant that their rights were being taken away because they couldn't color their hair or they could you know just anyways we, we all know who these people are mm -hmm. so this person wrote this article about how bob hope was at the white house they were hosting the previous french prime minister and his wife and the reagans were in the white house and bob hope made a joke about how the monument got aids and it's a very crass oh, joke no. And so the French party, the French prime minister and his wife were very insulted or just not laughing, just not, not insulted. I can't speak for them, but just like, <laughs> I don't see the humor in that. Right. And so he pretty much tied it to our previous leadership and how he would go out golfing and laugh. And we've seen those videos of how, you know, I'm going to make this shot and then give it to Rona or whatever he said. Yeah. And so then he tied it to to safe because it is at the time we didn't really know what COVID was, what it is now. So when we all we knew is that it was it was a disease and it was like killing people. We didn't know it was airborne. We didn't know it, it's mutating like there's a COVID rise happening as we speak. And so. I read this article about safe and Julianne Moore and how the environment's infecting her and how she, it is the unspoken unseen disease is how this reporter, just this journalist described it. And oh, let me look at my notes. So that in itself made me, when I was potentially, you know, gonna, I had a COVID scare and I was told, like, you have to be in a room by yourself because I was living with my ex-husband at the time. Or I was still married, but we were still living together. And so he 
pretty much threw me in a room. I was like, you have to stay here until we can get your test done. So for 17 hours, I didn't know if I was sick, potentially contaminated my, my husband. And if I had my effects in order, because at the time there was no cure, people were not surviving this. I was in a high risk neighborhood because I do have environmental asthma. That is a real diagnosis. That's real now. And so I just stayed in my room and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to watch movies until it's either A, I go to the hospital or B, I'm in the clear. I watch safe. You watch safe. Of, during yeah. The... I watched safe and a bunch oh, of no. other horror movies because it was just, one that's of, how I am too. If I'm yeah. suffering something, I have to watch a horror movie to kind of put myself yeah. in a situation. Yeah. And it actually it. kicked off like my love for horror. Uh, Good. I, 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 I think. Yeah, yeah. So I watched safe in that scene where she's with the cars where she's so yeah. her first, so they, they happen in episodes and each one progressively goes, it, she has a total of six until she goes to this treatment center. And so she, the first one, she's driving her very, oh, I, I need to probably explain this as well if you haven't seen this movie. This movie is very Lynchian in the sense there's a lot of driving, mm. a lot of great soundtracks. And Julianne Moore and her husband, who's played by Xavier, uh, oh, oh, I didn't get his name down, but his name's Greg. So it's Carol, you know, another Carol with Todd Haynes is played by Julianne Moore and then her husband, Greg. So you Played see by them. Sandy or Berkeley? Uh, yes. Sandy. Like that. Yeah. So they're in this, they're very affluent. They live in this gated community in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, their son is played by the guy that played Squints in the Sandlot. I thought that was a pretty <laughs> funny, like realizing that later when I went, came back to revisit this movie. I didn't connect that. That is No, funny. I didn't. Yeah, my boyfriend actually pointed it out to me. I was like, oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> uh, I'll say that on the podcast. So nice. We, so she's this very affluent woman who, you know, goes to aerobics, doesn't sweat, but she's driving in her very expensive Mercedes and she's around these kind of work trucks, like a cement truck and like a, just a big rig, you know, just very pollution diesel heavy. And she has an asthma attack, which is a border and a panic attack. Yeah. And so she starts to like, really starts to think, okay, something is happening to me. I don't feel good. I have a headache. I It starts with her, you know, going into her fancy home with her husband and they have probably the most marital sex on film. That's I, the thing. She doesn't enjoy her life. So like no, it, she's very dull. And you think she's like, <laughs> oh, she's got to be popping pills. Nope. She's not doing that no. either. She she drinks I mean, her milk. Even if she, she got better or she were medicated or something better happened in her life, it doesn't seem like, well, there is no safety net. There is nothing safe for her. Yeah. And she's also the second wife. You find out that later. So this mm -hmm. guy's definitely like just, you know, he's paying for her care, but you can tell when they say goodbye. Like, it's just like, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna leave you here. I'm gonna go do my thing. The son, her stepson doesn't care about her. Yeah. So she has, forward. yeah, it's just like, all right, well, I gotta go get the secretary. I'll talk to you later. Okay. <laughs> bye. Yeah. Uh, so Julianne Moore starts having these very frantic episodes. Like she, she can't breathe. She, um, but yeah, I wrote this note, like that sex is terrible. That poor woman never came once. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, if you've been in a relationship where it's in the tubes and you know, you're just like, okay. But even when he like propositioned her, like, Hey, let's have sex. Cause your hair's so cute and your perm. And she's like, no, I don't feel like it. He throws his watch into the bed. Like it's always headaches. Like maybe it's you, maybe it's your fucking boring dick. 
Yeah, so. it it seems to be like a combination of like her 20th century life and the needs uh, uh, that need to be met of being a mom in that kind of society at that time and what like the pressures of women are. Uh, uh, man, but the it's, suburban it's almost housewives. Like a, like a, a Gene Dealman sequel and like it's spiritual, like horror of the soul. Like it's just like a, all these chores and all this lifelessness is just what society has brought people to. And how like she starts the uh the it starts with the couch being delivered and it's the wrong color. Right. And that, you know, that oh, it's the worst thing to happen to her because her couch is not it's black and teal and that couch ends up being toxic, so they have to get rid of it. And Hank from Breaking Bad is in he's one of the movers. So yeah. that was kind of fun to see him in that. Uh so she let me see, I wrote this down. Uh there there's always the 80s fad diets and so she starts calling her panic attacks episodes hmm. at one point she falls asleep at the dinner table and her husband just completely ridicules her but she also fell asleep during a super sexist joke where a guy is telling a joke about a vibrator being stuck in a woman and oh no we couldn't get it out but we hmm. changed the batteries for you I mean, this is Todd Haynes did such a good job of nailing 80s Reagan yuppies in California because this is the oh, area I didn't grow yeah. up in the San Fernando Valley I grew up in the Bay Area so this is a lot of what I saw growing up as a well, kid it's almost it, like the poison of the future is like the Californication of the society it's like everything becoming California and our uh, therapy speak and how we talk to each other about mental illness and all of us eventually just being in this generation that's learning so much about our minds. We're so trapped in it because uh, we have some info now, but we don't know really what's happening in our minds. And uh, that just leads to uh, obsession and like, like, what do you call it? Uh, hypochondria. Is that when you, when you obsess? Yeah. Hypochondria. That, yeah. You could have Munchausen. You can have also doom scrolling. Remember yeah. the jokes like don't doom scroll WebMD in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah well, when you don't have healthcare, that's about your only option. It's when I have a new doctor, I always tell him, like, I didn't have healthcare for a long time. So I, I know what's going on because I had to study, but I trust yeah. you. I trust you, but I'm going to let you know that I'm going to have to effectively communicate to you. I don't feel good. And this is my symptoms. Do and, you think this and, and, is like preceding that and being like, we're entering this age of technology and this is how everyone will feel in the future <laughs> in some way? I. It's also, we don't. Like, for example, so they're like sucking down Diet Cokes, except Julianne Moore. She loves drinking mm. her milk. They the, the the ladies that she goes and has that baby shower with. And you almost wonder if she's barren because she hasn't had a child of her own. Right. Yeah. So she's in this. And think about that. Yeah. And yeah, that was that came up to my mind because she's the only one that pays attention to the little girl because she's like, look, I drew you and you're a princess. And then she has like another panic attack where she can't breathe. And they have to call. They don't even call 911. They're like, you need to call her husband to call her doctor. Like, no, call 911. Something terrible is happening to her. Like her sex doesn't it, produce either enjoyment or bear ch children. It's like everything is meaningless in a way. Even all this. Like uh, her garden. Like she can't yeah. keep her flowers alive. Like they're very dull. And she's always walking in her backyard with. And the cop scares her like, ma'am, are you OK? You know, that. They um uh, and then her husband sees her and is like, What's wrong? And she's like, Oh, I couldn't sleep. The smell and the weight. And he's like, 
okay and just like goes to bed like doesn't right. like think doesn't engage of, yeah. yeah just like not my problem i gotta go to work he does that a lot to her yeah. in the movie yeah or when he's getting ready and he's like hugging her and then she barfs all over him and he's like well i gotta go to work yeah it's <laughs> like okay uh your wife just threw up at you hugging her really good uh sequence of her getting her perm because yeah. oh i had one and that was a mistake getting a permanent um <laughs> I st- my dad still has my school photo with me and my terrible perm to remind <laughs> me of my hair mistake and i thought i looked cute mistake so <laughs> she she gets this perm and also that's also how you tell time is her curls start to loosen so by the end she has straight hair again so you see her curls start dropping and dropping and dropping interesting yeah is that like a a freedom for her or something no it's just showing you no it's just showing her showing how much distant time has happened is because a permanent is supposed to last like three four months and six months maybe i haven't i haven't had one since i was a preteen but you would have your curls and they would last a long time and she you know she goes to the bathroom and like fixes her curls and comes out also a woman's hair is a very important like that's that's me I, I i have to make sure my hair looks good because it's my mom taught me is you always have to brush your hair because you never know who you're gonna meet mm. uh, which after covid i'm like who am i gonna meet god you know like, yes um... I, <laughs> so she she whispers you know, she's in, which is very telling to the last scene. So when she's in the bathroom at the baby shower, her friends are talking shit about her, like blatantly yeah. talking shit, like, and they're not even being coy about it. They're coy about it when they hear her coming out. And so she's just like, well, I know this. And, and, you know, just these whispers and these are her friends or they're trying to get the other friend to say, oh, do you know anything? So they could, you know, gossip about her later. So you start Julianne Moore's life is very suburban wife, suburban yeah, so upper monotonous, class. Uh, yeah, based in the late eighties, nineteen eighty seven. So that kind of like Reagan housewife. Yeah, she. I have to go to the dry cleaners. I have to go get my coffee, my couch order fixed. I have to. I go to my aerobics class. I, I go and you know have lunch with my friends outside in those pink. That restaurant set up. I was getting flashbacks of my mother. She used to work at a restaurant like that. And I was just like, oh, my mom would have eaten there, worked there. And so mm. she has a very basic life. Their son reads this very odd manifesto about the crime wave of yeah, the Latinos strange. and the blacks from LA County coming into the San Fernando Valley. And the dad is like applauding this. And she's just like, no, this is terrible why would you this is for school not like junior republicans you know i don't know was she was doing like a family ties you know <laughs> kind of look yeah and so we have them eating also i found out through watching this movie again one of the reasons why the shots are very wide which give it that david lynch kind of open feel is to also show how much space she has because it that starts to sense, shrink, yeah. shrink 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 and also so you don't get attached to the characters because you don't really get a lot of front to camera Julianne Moore or anyone that's speaking unless she's a having an episode or she's talking to herself in a mirror. Yeah, there's a lot of removal from the mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the house is 
this teal color it reminded me of like hospitals in the 80s i don't know about you but yeah it, it feels you know, that she, way yeah it's this very big home and i'm just like man I'm, how many dresses could you fit in that room that's what i was thinking about and so her husband is just a I don't know what he is, but you never, you also never see him come home. You only, he just is always, he's either gone or he's there. That's one thing I noticed. Right. So yeah. He, he's not like uh, uh interesting part of the home. He's not a fixture the way she is. Yeah. And they, they have their maid who speaks Spanish. Cause she's like, any telefono? And she's like, no. Oh, mm. give me a glass of milk. Cause she loved her milk. She said she's a milkaholic. She loves milk so, so much. Yeah, and they take it away from her, and that you know she starts getting depressed. So she, what what makes this movie so powerful is Julianne Moore starts to figure. She sees an ad that says, "Can you smell the fumes?" Yeah, which she writes this letter, and you learn a little bit about her. She's originally from Texas. She's married. She's her husband's second wife. She has a stepson. And lately, she's just been feeling that she can't be outside because it smells funny to her. Mm -hmm. And then her husband interrupts her to scream at her because she's just not feeling well, which could be, you know, she could have had fibromyalgia. Like there's these new ailments that are happening because so many people were suffering in the silence. Mm -hmm. So she starts to go to these different support groups. Um, Sparkle Motion. I don't know if you watch Danny Darko, but do you remember Sparkle Motion? Yeah, I do. She, she's one of the late. She's the one that she <laughs> takes her husband and talks about creating a safe room and how you want it to be porcelain lined. And yeah. so there she has her husband and she can't even speak for herself. She's like, I'm Carol and I'm not feeling well. And then just turns to her husband. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm Greg and I'm just here to support my wife and figure help help her get better. Is it interesting that she's a Carol or is Carol just a name that Todd Hain like? I think Carol's so just much? a, yeah, I think Carol is just a name he likes because okay. I've noticed he's, he always has a Carol in his movie. So I think he that's does. just, he always, yeah. So he might, that just might be his favorite name We and might be his mother's name. We don't know. Uh, we'll probably Seems like that. a stand in name for some like American sense of womanhood in, in whatever age he's trying to capture anyway. Um, and Todd Haynes so, is so interesting too, the way he shoots. Like you say, it is like Lynch, but but it's also classical. It's uh he knows how to shoot color in a way, even like the absence of color is very present. Uh you he, feel how he uses things. So I think I mentioned this in our last episode. I asked him, like, how do you always get the music and the scenery and the colors to all match? And he's he said, like, oh, it's my team. We kind of talk about it as we're creating it and then we shoot and magic happens. So Todd is very in tune into what the audience is going to see as well as who's going to help him build it. I watched uh, far from heaven earlier, yeah, which is like this circuit and like a, a so much color, like capturing that 1950s era of uh, technicolor and like bright, you know, autumnal uh, settings. And he just captures vibes so well, uh, not, you know, nobody's as good as Cirque maybe, but uh Haynes is unique in his own way too. Did you notice in Far From Heaven when she finds her husband's secret, the colors actually start to disappear? Yeah. Little by little. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they start to fade. And, and I mean, he has that kind of process and safe as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he's so good at it. I just, he's such a I he's he's such a sweet, weird little man. I, I just adore <laughs> him to pieces. 
so the part with Carol that or with Carol, not Carol the movie, Carol the character right. is when she has that massive she starts walking around with a so Carol goes from wearing these, you know, silky department store women suits without purpose is what my dad used to call them is like these women are dressing up in these business outfits but they don't really work they're mm-hmm. very professional she's always wearing these white high heels and then in the end she's wearing white kids so mm-hmm. i mean the glamour really just starts to disappear and so when she finally accepts like i am very sick i have an i am um, allergic to the environment that's what they tell her. That's what she hears in one support group. So she starts to dissipate and removing herself from her the world that she is a member of, but she's more of a wallpaper person than she is a person person. Right. She's not an active person. She's just there. And, and then when people notice her, it's like she's a picture come to life. It's like that 1950s style, like children are meant to be seen, not heard. Mm. So when like she falls asleep at the dinner table, and everybody makes fun of her and it embarrasses her husband. Not, did you think maybe the guy that was telling that gross perverted story was just not worth it? And we should um, react that way because I would have done that. So we have Carol slowly start to walk with um, wearing a mask. She starts to go to other support groups and she's finding out people who grew up like near chemical booths or chemical plants um factories environmental which which has happened this is these are very true things that have happened people that live very close to factories people that live through a lot of environmental pollution are getting sick like the love canal um uh, homes in new york were built on toxic land Mm. and they had to remove everybody because the kids were just getting cancer at such a high rate that they found out that this land that was sold for low income um, ended up hurting and killing and damaging and causing a lot of illness to the, the people that lived in these homes. So Carol is seeing that all these people are getting sick, but she doesn't know why she's sick. And we don't ever find out too, because Todd Haynes does a good job of never telling you what hand is being played to Carol, but right. we do it, know. It almost doesn't matter, right? Like yeah, why doesn't matter as much as she is. It, that scene where she gets her final episode where she ends up in the hospital and no one believes her too. Her doctor doesn't believe her. <laughs> she has an allergy yeah. test and she has a reaction and they're like, Oh, she's reacting. And so they, they like calm her down and they, they give her, the ailment or something to make make it go away and they even say like wow we can turn it off and we can turn it off well yeah Yeah. that's what an allergic reaction is (laughs) is like it's like why people can't eat peanuts um Mm. so we have carol who's like slowly progressing her health is just getting worse her health is getting worse and she ends up in a, a tiny room in her big big home where it's white and small and she has this tiny bed She's walking around with an oxygen tank and she's she gets very strange. Yeah. And she's getting weaker and weaker and she goes to the dry cleaners and they're spraying some kind of bug, some spray. And as the dry cleaner goes to greet her, she is on the floor having full convulsions, vomiting. Mm. She's some, somehow she bit her lip to the point where she's bleeding and you get the, you know, God view of her on the medical bed getting wheeled into the ER and that in itself is just the most horrific scene in that entire movie just 
they nailed it with the amount of people that are just trying to get her to not throw choke up on her vomit and she's puking at bio that's what that yellow stuff is and very shocking and she's not breathing and they're pumping her chest and putting oxygen on her removing oxygen and doing all these kinds of ways to like we need to breathe she needs to breathe no she needs this she needs this she needs this we see carol and greg in the hospital and the doctor is just like you're fine i don't know what's wrong you've gone to the psychiatrist okay doctor something caused her to react that way to that spray and in the middle of the night carol sees an infomercial about westwood or is it wedgwood and she goes and meets the charlatan man is the best way i can describe it it's mm -hmm. very culty it's very um uh how should i describe it yeah it's like, little... like an install cult kind of like what was happening with spirituality and how spirituality was becoming also like a cultish institution in uh, almost reaction to what society was becoming is like a hyper commercialized uh, alternative, you know? Yeah. And, and when he, when she goes to meet Peter, I think is his, Peter's his name, the healing, mm -hmm. yeah, the healing center. He, he says, Oh, I want wellness to be spoken about. I want people to be able to express themselves. And we're there. I, I mean, there are people who i'm not going to name them but let's just say there is a radio personality and a actress that sells supplements from the same factory it's just packaged different interesting yeah <laughs> i think people can narrow it down they could maybe yeah one's a blonde one's a guy with a freakishly large neck as he likes to describe himself mm -hmm. um I, I take vitamins i take teas i i suffer from environmental asthma i like right now my voice is probably going to be really raspy because the the smoke is affecting my health, so I have to be yeah, very. I don't think cautious. we mentioned. I mean, I think we mentioned that it was a strange time because it was hard to go out. But we have the wildfires. Yeah, the Canada. wildfires from Canada, and then there's also a big one coming in from Eastern Washington. And there's so, some in Oregon now too. I mean, yeah. we're surrounded. It feels like like our environment seems to be on fire after oh, what happened in Hawaii and yeah, California. Yeah. They, mm -hmm, yeah. And there was um in 2020 after my COVID scare, or actually no, before my COVID scare, I, there was a wildfire that was 10 miles away from my front door and had to go through my apartment and figure out like, okay, well, if I have to go, what am I going to save? What do I mm -hmm. take with me? Because they've already warned us and I've seen homes getting destroyed and I didn't see the sun for five days. That's scary. Yeah. And I didn't hear the birds for seven days. It's <sighs> terrifying. I started hearing the birds again today here. So that is good. The, yeah, the air is a little better. Not to get really weird, but I, when my brother was in Iraq, we'd read a lot of books together. So we, he would pick the oh. book out that he would find, you know, where he was in his camp. And I would go find the book. And one book we read was of a rescuer of 9 11, because 9 11 is what made my brother go into the military. Right. And there was one, this gentleman passed away from being sick, from being at ground zero for as long as he was. And he said that he never saw the birds for four months or for seven months. Because when he'd go back to his home in New Jersey or in Long Island, I think is where he lived, he could hear the birds. And he noticed when he would go to ground zero, he wouldn't see the birds. He didn't see the birds. Yeah. And when the birds came back right. was when they were almost done. And that scared I've him. I've heard that about, yeah about ground zero it's so interesting 
Yeah. I mean, birds tell you so much about what is happening in the air and pollution wise. When I lived in Portland, Oregon, we had the lunar, the solar eclipse and the birds stopped chirping two minutes before we went to complete blackout. Oh. And it gets really cold and it is a very bizarre, but very cool experience. Mm-hmm. It, it's impressive to see the planets align, but at the same time, I wasn't feeling I was kind of dizzy the rest of the day because I was very I was very affected by that yeah Um, understandable and are you affected now by the the wildfires oh yeah yeah I if we would have done this last weekend I would have been like no I can't I would never I would never have someone record during something like that that's cruel so I'm glad that it's getting better and that hopefully you're getting better during it yeah I just have to take more of my steroid I feel so terrible. I have to take more of my steroid. I have to just be very cautious of my um, activity. So like today, I couldn't really take my dogs out for a really long walk, even though they wanted to, but their little chihuahua lungs can't handle the wildfire smoke as well as I can. So I just have to take it easy. So when I watch movies, like I have to sadly become like Carol, like I can't do activities. Like I really wanted to go to the baseball game, but I couldn't. Because it would have just not been okay for me and it would have not been wise. I've, I have ended up in the hospital because I didn't take it. I didn't quite, I was still learning my, what environmental asthma was. Mm-hmm. And so when you faint from like oxygen, it's never a good feeling. Uh, it's kind of scary. But watching Carol while I was watching Carol suffer, like the, the one episode the that she had was before, I think it was, let's see, I had it written down. Oh, she built the safe room after the allergy mm-hmm. test. That's That was the one that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, so I had these written down. Okay, so episode one is when she um, feels the exhaust from the trucks, and then she um, starts to argue with her husband. And then um, she gets a perm. Oh, yeah, this is a pretty big scene. When she gets her perm, her nose starts to bleed Right. when they yeah. show her. And she's so embarrassed, like, oh, look at what I've done. But you also put a whole bunch of chemicals on your head and we're baking under the 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 hair hood, as, as it's a technical term, for probably 45 minutes to an hour where she could get a manicure. And then and, she, and that's why like people are are up against her because they see her life as very privileged, like because she has all this, she has the house, and she has the you know uh, the husband and the you know what what people think. She goes and gets a perm, and uh, she does her aerobics classes. It seems like maybe her life is okay. Yeah, that's not that's not spiritually true about her. Also proves the parable that just because you have money doesn't mean you'll be satisfied and happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice to know when you can pay the rent because trust me, when I was be able to pay my rent in one check and still have money left over, that's a good feeling. That's you're like, Absolutely. hey, but then there's days where you're like, I still, you know, we, you know, as humans they are just like, well, oh, Oh, my my tire went out so there goes all my savings and then another event happens and I have to use my credit card and yeah, yeah that takes a while to get out of that debt but some people they have all the money and they're still not living this fulfilled life or they're faking it like her friends her friends pulled showed how materialistic and silly and 
my favorite line is like, I got that baby book at Neiman Marcus. Mm, did you have to tell her that? Right. <laughs> you know? There is something about the conspicuous consumption of the late 1980s too, paired against the new fears of health crisis, like viral health, health crisis of AIDS and also, yeah, these changes in the environment because we were putting so much back into the environment that wasn't there. Yeah. So episode four is where she is at the baby shower and she's having the little girl on her lap and freaks, scares the little girl because she starts breathing funny. Mm -hmm. Episode five is the allergy test. And that's where she goes into her safe room and she goes and has lunch with her friend and the one that whose brother died of AIDS. You figure it out later. Um, so she tells her these things and I wrote them down is the couch is toxic, so we had to get rid of it. I can't wear makeup anymore. And her friend goes, is that why you look so different now? Um, they're eating outdoors. And she starts to cough from the exhaust. And this is something, personally, I don't like eating outdoors because I used to tell my ex-husband, I don't like eating outside because if I wanted a side of exhaust, I'd just go hang out next to, you know, an 18-wheeler and be near the exhaust pipe. Mm. So I, I really related with Carol, where she's like, I don't like sitting outside anymore. Because I'm like, yeah, it's, it's outside stinky, especially when you're trying to eat food and it's a big street. And all these, you know, cars are cars are going to be exhaust. You know, there's always going to be exhaust until we all go into electrical if that ever happens. And yeah. then she has these. I don't even know how to describe it. How many supplements did you think she had? Like at least 50? At least. Yeah. So many. I feel that way sometimes. I have so many vitamins and, and yeah, my doctor keeps giving me more vitamins uh, as I and get older. Yeah, I mean, I love when they're like, you need to take a multivitamin, you need to take a this and a this and a this, and just like, uh-huh, yeah, why? Oh, I'm on four or five of them, but like the most expensive vitamins my doctor must be able to find. It's, you know. Yeah, I'm just like, is there an alternative? Because I'm not spending 80 bucks on 30 pills, because, I mean, you, drug prices, that's that's a that's a real small ROI, and well, I'm yeah. not even, yeah. And that's another thing about like the 80s, is that you're starting to get these kinds of medical advice, and you, you might be paying a lot for things that don't make you feel any better at all. So she goes to, oh, Renwood, that's the center, with Peter mm. Dunning, and it's a safe haven. So the word safe starts to play along in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So she goes to um, the healing guard, the healing center, and she gets the kind of roundabout where it was built in 1978 and they've been fighting to keep it open since the center was established. And she meets Peter, the the person that is in charge of it. And he introduces himself and says, I have AIDS. Yeah. Nothing else. Not, no, I'm doing this to make myself feel better. Just, I have AIDS. And he talks about how he wants everyone to feel safe. And the healing center um, is just this place of refuge, which is where I was like, oh, this is a cult. This is a straight up cult. He seems and, very unreliable at first. Right. Yeah. And he pops in and out of her life a lot, too, if you didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. So she goes to her little, you know, cabin that's open. There's no privacy and breaks down, just has a massive breakdown, starts crying. I think she because she realizes like this is it. This is. Yeah. This is all I have. I have nothing. I don't have my husband. I clearly she has this money because she's able to stay at this very expensive. I don't know if you noticed the prices when she was going through the catalog. I didn't. So like for 14 days, it was like 14 grand. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The price for the center, yeah. Yeah, so and, much. Yeah. <laughs> Back then, that is so much. And there are retreats and healing places like here in Washington. They're in the San Juan Islands because I, for a while, thought I was needing to go somewhere to heal, and mm-hmm. I just did something else. But I, mean, I was I, like, man, if I had money, I went to a recovery place in New Mexico for over a year when I was younger. Um, oh, so so you know, so this must have been like, oh yeah, this is true. This isn't true. I'm like, yeah, and that's, so, that's where I went. Sure. (laughs) And you meet this woman who is screaming. Her name's Nell. Mm. And she's screaming at Carol because her taxi is contaminating the place. And her husband is also sick. And you never meet him until later. And you really start to see the decay of Carol. Like she starts to get lesions. She never heals. She always is getting sicker and weaker and lots of she loses all the color like at the end her lips were white yeah there's no happy ending for her there's no way it can go better and when they hang out with peter and he tells them the only person that's making you sick is you so you need to tell yourself you love yourself and you're gonna get better and he talked so nell's husband dies because he's running around he he does his what is up with this walk can we talk about that for a second (laughs) it's strange yeah so he's wearing like a baklava like a pussy riot kind of hat and he has this metal outfit to keep the pollution and radiation and they're also next to a freeway which pisses carol off like can i have the cabin my cabin move because i think those fumes are coming and every time i go for a walk it makes me sick and they're like no well, we have a more expensive cabin, um, but maybe you need a safe room. And so she sees she's talking to Peter, who interrupts her writing a letter of her family, which which is another thing, too. Every time she's writing a letter out, you learn more of her. And right when you're getting some type of like, oh, that explains it right when we get to that point, she gets interrupted. So she stops writing the letter and she never goes back to it. And she sees this man who walks like an alien it's yeah. a very bizarre walk and he peter is very oh yeah he's one of my patients he doesn't eat he doesn't sleep he's very sick and i've told him he needs to take care of himself but he won't listen so he walks away so nobody can see him and carol kind of sees him and he like skirts away like a scared deer he's like an alien and he, yeah it is it is it's very it reminded me of like the eight the Simpsons episode where Montgomery Burns gets all drugged up and Homer thinks he sees an alien. And so, <laughs> you know, I bring you peas. Those yeah. kind of, that's, that's what it looked like. So he's he, so strange. Yeah. He, yeah. So he dies and then Carol starts to hallucinate seeing him. And she goes and they empty out the safe room. It's like an igloo. That's lined with porcelain. That was another thing, too. They kept saying lined with porcelain. And I'm just like, like a bathroom. And she goes to this, you know, she moves in. Her husband comes to see her twice. The first time they are singing and having this, like, talk. And her husband and her son, her stepson, they looked freaked the fuck out. And that would be... (laughs) My reaction as well is just like, 
what the fuck is this? And why is this costing so much money mm. for you to not get better? She's very weak. She can barely hold hands. She like is grossed out by him at one point because she's like, oh, you're cologne. It makes me sick. He's like, I'm not wearing any. She's like, well, maybe it's it's because, you know, you're it's still in your clothes, but I can smell it. And he's like, okay, well, we got to go because our flight's going to, you know, we got to get our flight. And that's when I was like, oh, no, he's he's moving on. He's just he's just going to keep her keep her here, but not not he, he's just not emotionally he's emotionally checked out more than he was before right. so carol is living in this facility she she can't make friends she's very she says less than she says bef- more than she said before which mm-hmm. that in itself is was shocking to me because i didn't pay attention to that the first time i saw it mm-hmm. and she, it's her birthday and she gives this rambling speech where i can't it it She's just like, oh, I'm so happy and thank you. And I've learned so much and I can walk into a building and I can smell what's around me. And they just like kind of like continue the party without her (laughs) and just like, uh, yeah, we're just going to do our own thing. Mm. So she kind of has this odd meet cute going on with one of her cabin people members. Mm. Wellness center members is the best way to describe it. And she goes to her room and she looks at herself in the mirror and she has two very large legions on her face, on her forehead, very, very reminiscent of like what the AIDS legions were in the early eighties. And she just keeps saying, I love you. Very faint, very quiet. And she says it three times to herself. Like, I love you. I love you because her isolation is detrimental to her but at the same time her isolation is what she needs to be better and that's how the movie ends curtain goes up you get this really cool kind of soundtrack it's very and, uh i mean it's it's like a fake happy ending like you you end with like positive affirmative words to herself but you know it's not getting better but it's also very like we've all i don't know I've been here where you're like, yep, love you. No, I don't love that person anymore. I yeah. stopped loving that person years ago. But it's those empty words where my my mother, my stepmother, she, you know, English was her second language and she could never understand how the word as powerful as love could be thrown out in the English language. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like I say it. Oh my gosh, I love him. Or, oh, I love this. And I love that. Yeah. Am I passionate about it? No. You know, I love just, Julianne more in this movie. It's, yeah. The, it, I mean, the, this you is, could say it. Yeah, I love Julianne. Moore. This is also the first time Julianne Moore and Todd Haynes worked together and she They're became his together. muse. Yes. The, every movie, like, I can't wait for her new movie where she's fake Mary LaKayla Turno. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be some spicy takes because this is, you know, a little. Isn't she from this area? Like, I heard she's from, like, Bellingham? No, not Bellingham. Like uh-huh. the Mary Kay Letourneau, like that whole. Oh incident, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Mary happened Kay here Letourneau. in Washington. I right. just don't know where. I know it's here in Washington, in like the King County Nearby, area. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. It'll come. That could to be me. really interesting. Zebra uh, will let me know on the Discord. I'll I'll just say that. <laughs> By sure. the way, it's very very cute, wonderful people in that Discord. I was very nervous to go in. Just oh. Like, Oh boy, they just heard my voice. I'm not sure they're gonna be able to be happy with dealing <laughs> with that mad woman. And they were very sweet. So they're all very you. friendly. It's yeah, like, uh, 
smallish community, you know, like a hundred something people and, and they all get along. People could join it. They just go to our site and it's on the menu bar there, but uh, very well moderated and thoughtful conversations there. Yeah, I noticed today they were talking about the Nutcracker uh, movie and I remember watching that as a little girl and just, oh, I love ballet. I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And then no, my dad's like, eh, no, that's not happening. Um, with a lot of money. Daddy didn't have that kind of money. But it is like the that style of the Nutcracker is the most popular one. It was created here in Seattle. In the movie, yeah. you you see like Alaska Airlines is thanked. Um, the, saddle, the Seattle Ballet Theater theater is you know where they they all the dancers came from and a mm. lot of cute local businesses in seattle that some exist and some no longer exist but i it was really sweet to see someone like this is my first time watching it like oh you sweet person like you're gonna have so much fun <laughs> and yet be scary because that nutcracker smile used to scare me as a little kid but it, it is a very well done nutcracker and it's the most popular version um there, you know some history when chai but chai first released the Nutcracker was actually considered a failure and he was sadly killed by the Nazis and mm -hmm. his original um, manuscripts were destroyed by the Nazis but someone found someone had a copy and they were able to resurrect Dick so I'm really happy that like Swan Lake and Cinderella and of course the Nutcrackers is more, pop more popular and more um, accessible where people know you know it's their entry that's why I first learned about him was through um through the Nutcracker, he also has a really great opera that is so sad and beautiful at the same time. But when an opera is sad and beautiful at the same time, I'm front row seat, like, give it to me. Um, but he um, he's just fantastic. So, yeah. So, see, there you go. I, I do pay attention to the Discord. Just I'm, I'm not on it as much because sure. I, I, I'm, I'm such a lurker in that app. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Uh, yeah. I mean, they cover everything from... Todd Haynes to the Pacific Northwest Ballet, though. So there's a wide range of topics. Yeah, I, I mentioned to a friend that I was going to be, I'm like, oh, I have to watch Safe for a recording, for recording a podcast. Like, are you guys going to like put pictures of your dogs at the end of the episode? Because that movie is intense. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's intense <laughs> when you watch it when you're going through a COVID test. Yeah. I've, I think I, I that's what created this episode was I was just like, yeah, so I watched Safe when I was dealing with my first COVID scare. And you're like, oof. It's like, yeah, no, not the best decision to make. But at the same time, the best, you know, just I, I think it's the best thing you could do. I mean, maybe if it helped you, I think it's the best thing to do. It helped me in the sense in realizing two things that you want to make sure that if you're ever ill, you, you want to make sure your partner or companion is someone that's willing to take care of you. Yeah, that did not absolutely. happen to me. I mean, <laughs> it's number, good for that information. Yeah. And number two, I realized that the fake elements that Carol is suffering through is what's affecting me now. Like I have mm. environmental asthma. I used to live in a very dirty, not well run because landlords were terrible apartment. And I noticed the minute I moved out of that apartment, I don't need my inhaler as much. And I'm not having rashes. And yeah, yeah it makes sense. Like there's like mold in the apartment. And oh, there the was mold bad. everywhere. Mm -hmm, uh, mold. Honestly, it was pretty hard week for me. Just the last week had a, a family member pass and deal with a mm -hmm. lot of sickness. Uh, visited my grandma in the hospital and she was so sick and and she passed this week and a movie like safe is is you know something that i can watch in these times that i'm uh, anything too happy a comedy or anything i i can't quite handle in those situations 
Um, I'm very sorry to hear about your grandmother passing. My grandfather, my only surviving grandfather, passed away in January, and oh, I still sorry. miss him to this day. Yeah, it's he was my last remaining grandparent, and I had a very close relationship with my grandfather. Um, he was a musician, and this will probably brighten your ears. Um, when my mother died, I found out I had over 10 half uncles and aunts. And they were his kids. And I'm just like, what, Interesting. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so I'll, also I love noir because my grandpa used to watch the Mexican noir films, which is a lot of the cinematographers that, you know, in the thirties and forties came to the United States. And that's when noir really took off is because so, they kind of like, so there's like mm -hmm. a whole background of like Mexican, Mexican noir that mm -hmm. maybe I don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, it's some of the best, shot noir like the person who shot one of the most famous noir movies out of mexico worked on some of the 1950s noir out of hollywood and if mm. you look at the cinematographers like the the last names start to get very mexican like garcia <laughs> lopez you know but i one time i went to go visit my grandpa and i was married at this point and we were watching an old black and white mexican movie and they allude to sex and he's just like, oh, uh, maybe we should change the channel. I'm like, Grandpa, I've been married for over a decade. And after your history, I think we know what's going on in that back room. <laughs> right. So I, it's just, um, how old was your grandmother? Um, In her 80s. So, you know, very up there. But uh, still hard all the same. And my, and my grandpa a few years ago, that's a, when I got my dog was like the week that my grandpa passed. So he's keeping me company again. A therapy dog all the way through yeah i've probably so, seen your dog maybe. probably i mean we we do like live in within a couple uh, blocks of each we other. live around the corner from each other yeah <laughs> what's your dog's name yager yager hmm. don't know if i know yager i know everybody knows zorro and larry larry's like the popular dog on my street <laughs> everybody knows larry um but i i'll tell you something that my grandpa told me the night my mother died and then i did this when he passed away it was eat your favorite meal that you enjoyed sharing with her. Oh. And every time you will eat that again, you'll always think of her or him. So when the night my grandpa died, we, we, he, the following, so that Friday, so he passed away on a Wednesday, that Friday he left Kentucky fried chicken. So we all had Kentucky fried chicken and we all took pictures in, you know, our Facebook and we shared it with our family members. So yeah, anytime I have Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Chicken, I always think of my appa is what I called him. I hadn't thought of it at all. She made like the world's like greatest banana bread, like just amazing. And I, I've had like four or five bananas like every day, like the last week. Like maybe it's a subconscious thing because I don't eat bananas. I think it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and just so as this, you said that, I'm like, why am I eating so many bananas? Because your body's getting ready for I mean, you just need to you needed to get those bananas real nice and ripe to make that banana bread. Or you could do what I do and I just cheat and go to the baker and have them make banana bread for me because i well, can't bake to save my life because usually I, I don't eat bananas so they always go bad and have to be made into banana bread because that's their fate um that's interesting because i had never thought like maybe that's why i'm doing it maybe that's why i can't stop eating yeah. the food that i don't eat yeah but i'm very sorry to hear yeah it's it's always sad to see a family member especially as someone like a matriarch like a grandparent or you know a an elder pass away because you that legacy in a way dies but yet it's yeah. passed on to you so 
I, I was explaining to my my nephews, you know, when my my when you know Umpa died was just like, well, he was the last of my grandparents, and he's like, well, I have my grandparents, like, yep. And then one day you'll be having this conversation, but I don't right. have, a, like my my dad and I, we've been having these very frank discussions because I I switched jobs, I had to put him as my beneficiary because I'm not married anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, all right, well, you know, if I die, like you know, give something to my boyfriend that I live with, you know. Like just don't be mean and just yeah. like just I I can't write him in his will because from a legal standpoint. Anyways, so I just you know I, he was just like, well, I mean, do you do you think you could die? I'm like, well, nobody knows when they're gonna die. I mean, my mom died at 39. My grandpa mm-hmm. lived to be 91. My other grandma lived to be you know 76. And then my my paternal grandmother she lived to be 92. So I don't know. I, I mean, I I could live a long life or I could you know get hit by a car as they run up and down like because you hear him like you might want to edit this part out but did you hear about the shooting that happened in our street there are a lot of reasons that we don't feel safe that that we didn't quite have in the 80s yeah no it's it's scary because so I was more afraid that the bullets were going to hit us. That was my biggest fear, which is why I told like my boyfriend, like, grab the cats, grab the dogs, everybody get down, go upstairs, go upstairs. You it's know, so just funny because like, I just like checked on my daughter and I saw my wife was outside. I'm like, come inside. Then I went back to bed. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was just like, I'm going to check tomorrow and I made sure everything was locked. You know, I'm good. Yeah, I, I've had we've had prowler incidents where some teenagers were trying to break into an empty apartment. Oh yeah, it's it's just. I've had a bunch of teenagers carrying cases of beer and they're clearly not of age mm-hmm. pissing across the street from my apartment. And the guy's like, oh, I'm peeing so hard. I'm getting the beer shakes. And I, I was so mad that I didn't have a hose <laughs> that I was just going to go into total single mode and just like wet them and be like, try it again. You know, give me that beer. I'm going to drink it. But it, the part, Oh God. It's like watching this movie made me nervous for two reasons. One, that poor woman just needed to be loved and love herself because mm-hmm. in the 80s you're the way you're valued is are you the pretty woman on on the guy's arm so that's you... why i think she is sick by the way because she's lost all faith in herself i don't know yeah. if that's true to the movie but my perception is that she's lost all interest in any parts of her life and that is her sickness she's also very sick because she is LA in the 80s was very 80s in the 70s this is post EPA so it's still small I remember my dad telling me when he crossed the border and he grew up in Mexico City and which is one of the most polluted you know used to be and still kind of is one of the most polluted cities in the world and he told me that he always expected America to be cleaner it's when he came LA and he saw how dirty it was he was like what is happening <laughs> like LA is very dirty LA is dirty it's very also very sun drenched so it gives you it it Todd did a good job so when she's driving down the street everything's very yellow because that's mm. how it is is because you don't want to draw a lot of heat to your buildings or the street which is why the streets are kind of this like white kind of cement look the mm. buildings are all this weird terracotta kind of just bland beige color and then that color starts to disappear from carol's world the sicker and sicker she gets till she goes to new mexico 
So he does a good job, but that's how it was. It was just like the only part that I remember Kamer used to be like the loudest red I'd ever seen until Target came into my life because it was just a very bland. And I grew up in the Bay Area where we had trees. LA doesn't have a lot of trees. <laughs> so it's just, I, I, to me, I just felt so bad for Carol because she didn't have a friend that she could confide in. Even her mother calls her and she's like no i have time i have time and her mother just hangs up the phone yeah he's holding uh, her dry cleaning i i tried to watch a few things for this i still have some todd haynes to watch regrettably uh i wish i could have seen everything there um so i think there will be reasons for us to like come back especially if you want to oh uh, there's of course, a few movies of course. there <laughs> we um, can have more more, more mariner talk <laughs> and and of course i'd like you to come back for anything else uh so so we'll find reasons for that uh what did i uh watch um oh you said you watched velvet goldmine no, I, I said I, I wanted to but i, I oh. didn't like it to it yet but i i hope i will so um, i i will give you some spoilers i think i told you christian bale wears lipstick in that movie which is mm-hmm. i think todd haynes personally for that like thanks for putting christian bale in <laughs> lipstick <laughs> and Tony Collette is amazing in this movie. She plays such a good job of playing a woman not quite understanding what's happening to her, but starts to understand what's happening to her and loses it in the most passionate <laughs> 1960s rock and roll wife you could ever imagine. I mean, she nails that role. And she has like maybe 15, like five to six scenes in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did watch, uh, <laughs> well, I tried to watch the Karen Carpenter story, uh, Superstar. Uh, I, I looked it up on the YouTube and uh, uh, 40 minutes in, I was like, where's the Barbies? What's what's going on? So I actually watched like a formal like like biopic of Karen Carpenter, uh, not the Todd Haynes movie. Um, <laughs> that's my strange anecdote from today is that I watched, <laughs> it's literally called uh, the Karen Carpenter story um i think and, she plays her no the one from the made for tv movie the one yeah, in the 80s yeah yeah, yeah that and one's it's sad. a year difference from this todd haynes movie uh, <laughs> oh, no so, so the todd haynes one is 1988 this one comes in 89 it's a, and it's such a straight lace like authorized uh karen carpenter movie and uh, so many wigs uh, very fake wigs uh cynthia gibb plays karen carpenter and uh well, I knew the Todd Haynes one was about 40 minutes in, so I was like, oh, man, it's been an hour. What's going on? Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, obviously. I, I knew it had, like, Barbies, and and my wife mentioned something about that early on. She's like, but where's the Barbies? I'm like, I don't know. That's, it's probably coming up. So I watched a whole movie I didn't need to watch. Uh, oh, no. And I'm so I watched sorry. the Barbie movie, which is really interesting. But uh, Oh, so you've Barbie hammered, or are you just Barbie? I just watched the, uh, no, I watched the superstar uh, Karen Carpenter Barbie movie from Todd Haynes, but uh, I don't know why I had to do both of them today. I I oh. feel I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes today. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. Your 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 heart is heavy. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it's it's fun to watch a TV biopics from the eighties on accident. Um, there's a really good one on YouTube, and if you have a lot of time, because it was two nights, and I remember when this came out, and it's very coming of the times. So Elvis and Me, which is about to become a Sofia Coppola movie, mm-hmm. was released in the 80s on remember, TV movies when they used to be, you know, 
the weekly movie. I remember Tori Spelling was in one. <laughs> and they they did the Priscilla Presley story and it was two nights. And I just remember trying to sneak in watching it with my mom and she wouldn't let me. And finally I like broke down and watched it. I think I was homesick from school and there used to be a cable channel like called TV movies. So it was all the TV yeah. movies. And I remember That's watching. It's kind of cool though. I mean, to have that special specialization because yeah. you can't even find them now. Yeah. Usually. They're all on YouTube or like they have to like. Um... Or DVD. Mm-hmm. Like if John Carpenter lucky. had one with um where it was like a woman getting stalked in an apartment. And the only reason why it got rescued was because he had the he had the original VHS of it that was submitted to the television. He had the original film that was used. Well, we did every film with Peter Bogdanovich and Robert Altman. So I got through like both of their, you know, like TV phases or their, you know, less popular phases. You have to go to Scarecrow for some of that here. Yeah, I actually am a Scarecrow member. Um Love when they Scarecrow. asked they asked me like you know when you fill out your thing they're like you, you need to recommend two movies so i recommended <laughs> um eight and a half and masters of the universe those are the two i recommended well, maybe, <laughs> maybe like you and i need to like go make like a scarecrow trip one day and then whatever we get is the episode maybe that's yeah, like a fun yeah. thing i always like so go do discovery the, and then record yeah so one of the reasons why i go to scarecrow a lot is because they have a lot of the action movies that the action boys cover which is the podcast i mentioned before oh yeah so so for a while there was before COVID, I used to go every week and when I was in Seattle. And so they would tease me like, all right, what terrible action movies in the past are you going to rent? And what criterion are you walking out with? So I remember one time I got, um, I think I, I forgot. I think it was like a Sylvester Stallone movie, like it's some garbage, like, or just <laughs> not good. Yeah. But I was also um, renting uh, Melvin's, um, um, either it was I was rewatching um, the Samurai or one of just uh, I remember it was a Melvin film he did like the mm-hmm. Samurai, and so they're just like you have really crazy taste. I no one's for a <laughs> podcast and one's just for me. And they're like, so do you drink when you watch this? And I'm like, yeah, you know this one's definitely a can of beer and this one's like you know a fancy glass of wine out of my <laughs> <laughs> just like I just drink it out of a nice glass. And so they. They always help me. Like every one time, I, I, my boyfriend picked out the swimmer. That's a great yeah. movie. That is, and it's also a New Yorker short story. Um, mm-hmm. So we went and found it. I, I'm a big New Yorker. He actually got me into reading the New Yorker, so I, I used to read it a lot on the bus. Yeah, I love the New Yorker. I love their film reviews and their book reviews. That's how a lot of a lot of my uh, media gets. Um, I, I think collected. so many. Of their like journalistic stories could also be movies. It would be so easy for every one of them to be a Wes Anderson movie in some way. Their fiction is one of my best, or their nonfiction yeah. too. Um, the the scene, there was like cat person, but there was some controversy around that. <laughs> the way that they they also, I uh, um, one of my my old wedding photographers actually does photography for the New Yorker, and she says oh, cool. like the, their assignment is they just get like the text and. the <laughs> they get to figure out like what the images are. Oh, that's nice. Though. That's a good way to do it. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so it's like um, oh, I guess we could talk about this. So I went and saw Sorcerer at the Beacon on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and then William Freakin passed away on Monday. Oh, that's tough. I, I I had a hard time with that. Exorcist being like one of the most influential movies to me. Uh, I loved Freakin. That was it's some are harder than others. When, yeah, uh, directors pass. 
I, I think I'm going to, I don't know if you have seen it, but freaking uncut. I highly, highly, highly recommend it mm-hmm. because it in leap of faith, that's about the exorcist. It's I did see of, leap of faith. Yeah. So leap of faith is very more um, hammered into what they want. What freaking uncut is him. I think I did talk about this in the last podcast. So sorry if I'm retelling the story, but he is such an animal in this movie he comes in <laughs> with his high-waisted black you know pants gets his cup of coffee calls like cusses the director out and then just tells his story and just knits this yarn and then they <laughs> super cut to him telling the same story over and over and over and it is just amazing how much he is just he's just this person he like they're doing shots of him in italy because he's getting this uh, this award yeah and then they're just like in Venice and he's like, look at this beautiful thing. All right. When I'm getting out of the shot and he just walks out, it's just like almost bumps into the cameraman. Uh, but with The Exorcist, I actually didn't see that movie until I was in my 20s. And really? my dad saw it in Mexico. So he had I had to wait it. all day to see it. I rented and- it from like the local library when I was like 10. <laughs> I also had a very religious mother. You think like, I think I've mentioned this before, like horror movies was how you brought the devil in your house. You think she would have handled me watching the exorcist? I think that either means you watch it very young or, or you don't get to watch it until you're, you know, but she had no problem showing me the birds. No problem showing me the birds at 10. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, and then she wonders why I like freak out every time I see, uh, I saw a seagull for years. Maybe (laughs) so I could stop bitching and asking her to like take me to San Francisco because that's where the seagulls were. Sure. So I watched The Exorcist with my dad, um, and so we got to experience the new cut where you saw Peugeot mm-hmm. in the kitchen, and I remember my brothers were so afraid that we actually all slept in the same room. We had like a slumber party because we were so afraid <laughs> to sleep. It is scary. I, it, I is. It, very it is. unsettling. Yeah, and then like it turns out like one of the doctors that she interacts with is a serial killer, and that was inspired him to write cruising. But the best part about William Freakin, and they call him Billy, is he they interview William Defoe and Freakin' Uncut. And he's like, Hey, I want to make this film called Live and Die in LA. And it's about counterfeiters. And he actually went and found counterfeiters and they some of that money got out and the FBI showed up and they had to stop production because they needed to figure out who took the money. <laughs> But another thing is he looked William Defoe in the eyes and said, I kind of want to make this movie with no money. And William Defoe's like, well, thanks. I'm kind of famous. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, go out. We're in New York. We're in Los Angeles. Go outside. And if five people can spot you in the next 10 minutes, you're fired. <laughs> but he wasn't famous in L.A. So that's how he got yeah. the role. Absolutely. And yeah, it's it's a really great. And I watched that the night he died. Like I'm I got a good glass of wine my favorite thing is like he he admits like openly to that counterfeiting and then he said he continued to do it and that they would keep like interrogating him and that he just didn't care like yeah his his autobiography yeah his autobiography is is just insanity and beauty it's on youtube if you want to hear him read Mm -hmm. it because he'll add something like and this chapter i you know taxi driver and he goes into like him gorilla style making that chase scene and how he had PAs just with money ready to go because they did it early on the Sunday morning because he knew that they were going to so get arrested. But yeah, I'm really sad about William Freakin. He was 86. 
And I read his LA Times article, and yeah, there was there's a lot of drama around him. But yeah, I don't think we'll get. I maybe if Nolan goes off the chamber, or I, what other director can do what he did? Like, I've 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 actually Barbieheimered since the last time he spoke. Okay. And how can I describe this? And I've said this, and I've held my tongue when I said this. So he used to CGI to create the atomic bomb to mm-hmm. create the explosion. It is such a beautiful piece of work when you see this atomic bomb being exploded. Mm-hmm. But then in the back of your heart and in your mind, when the sound comes in, you're like, two towns are destroyed using this weapon. Mm. It's like the same thing when I was watching the Blue Angels um, buzzing around Seattle. I didn't realize it was going to be that loud, by the way. They're very like, loud. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? I was very afraid at first. It feels um, like an invasion at first. It does. And and you you have to remind yourself, like, oh, cool. Look at this. And then you're like, wait, these are weapons of war. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, just when I watched Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer was really well done. Oh, that sex scene is as awkward as everyone describes it to be. And those of you that know what I'm talking about, yeah. I'm I haven't Blunt. seen it, by the way. That's, oh, you saw it. It's weird. Yeah, oh, I haven't so... seen it because I read the book to prep. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I have the autobiography. I heard the auto, uh, the, oh, sorry, autobiography. The, audio, the audiobook. Book. Yes, the audiobook I heard is very well done. So I, uh, I did the audiobook for it and, yeah. and I loved it. Uh, oh, and okay. I still haven't seen it. Uh, American Prometheus. Uh, it's like 30 hours or so, but uh, yeah, they're I very good hours. Uh, yeah. It, that's the thing is like, it's very well done. Emily Blunt does a good job of playing the drunk 50s, 40s housewife. The Safi brothers, one of the Safi's brothers is in it. Josh Hartnett's in it. I haven't seen him in anything since like Penny Dreadful, I feel. Mm. And so you... It's it's a very beautiful movie. And and my boyfriend was like, let's watch Oppenheimer first and then we'll like have Barbie be our Prozac. And I'm so glad he did that because we That's also waited. Order. We also waited two days in between just to like kind of calm down from what we had seen. Yeah. Like, I am sensitive to that kind of stuff. I was just, oh. Um so we went and saw and then we dressed up for Barbie. And it, it's always cute to have a partner that's willing to be, have fun with you, mm. which Carol didn't have that. Carol was no. Her life was dictated by where her husband wanted her and what society told her she needed to do. So we dressed up and we Barbie hammer, we Barbied. And then I got the Sif shirt that said I Barbie hammered at Sif. (laughs) But he like, my boyfriend's already told me like, I'm going to be bad Ken for Halloween. Can I borrow your white fluffy furry coat? I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes, you may. But I mean, it, I don't know. To me, film is where is my safe haven, which is probably why I went and discovered this movie when I was going to be going through what I, I was nervous. I'm like, I'm either going to get sick because I'm high risk with my asthma. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm if I'm if I get covid, I'm dead because we didn't have vaccines. I mean, we we're still kind of working through it. <laughs> I'm probably going to get a booster pretty soon because of the new strain that's out. But I, I honestly just wanted to like reach through the the TV or the cinema world. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> the celluloid and give yeah. Carol a hug. I know she needs one. Just tell her, you know, the value of these people, the opinion of these people is bullshit and just find your own. You, I can't. My plants are fake in my home <laughs> because I can keep a cactus alive, but it's very challenging. But 
I, I also see a lot of people who can plant and I'm just like, yay, good for you. I'm really proud of you. Like, <laughs> tell me about your plants. I, I go to people's houses. I'm like, tell me about your dog. Tell me about your plants. I want to hear about those things because it isn't an experience I can have. So I, I always mm. want to like hear it from somebody else. But with Carol, it was just the the women are like, I, I know the part. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let's back up. So in the early in the gym where she's like in her aerobics class and they're working out to Lucky Star by Madonna, uh, they start talking about this woman being an alcoholic and she doesn't like the 12 step because she has to go to a higher power. Right. And the other woman is telling her like, no, you kind of need to do this because you're a drunk. And she <laughs> changes the subject by going, Carol, you don't sweat. And she's like, no, meaning you need to sweat to release toxins out of your body. So yeah. this poor woman can't sweat. And so she you wonder why she's having all these ailments because she can't release the the toxins that are in her system. Mm -hmm. And so then they're just like, I'm so jealous. But then that same woman without missing a beat is talking shit about her at the baby shower where, because it's her house. That's her house where they go to. So I mean, just like, I don't know. There's I, there's a really good noir movie that with Barbara Stanwyck. She is a, and the movie's escaping me. I'm so sorry. And someone's probably screaming in the, th you know, and listening to this. She's a reporter and she meets this cop. So she leaves LA to go move to San Francisco. And it's the same thing. It's suburban wives just talking about the new TV they're going to get or how little they feel loved or they feel, they don't feel supported or they're got to do this to keep their man in check. And Barbara Stanwyck used to be a reporter. She's like, what in the why am I here? And she's unsatisfied and she fights her husband for it. And the whole plot of the movie is, is she a good woman because she wants to be independent in the 1950s, early for late 40s, 1950s? Or is she breaking, you know, the rule of the law of, of a woman at that time because she doesn't want to have children? Is and it she doesn't crime want to of passion? Is that... I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I know that's about like a suburban wife and stanwick uh it could it's maybe. not double indemnity but it yeah. is it i think it is crime of passion that seems right yeah Going, and looking so at that yeah yeah so she marries a cop yeah and she moves to san francisco that's it so that movie if you pair that with carol you see the two parables of the wife so carol gets sick she's so lonely and ill and i've heard this before and this is very true because i experienced this is like being sad and and can can affect you can cause you to be ill and i remember after my mom died i had a big old spell of illnesses that nobody could explain mm -hmm. until my psychiatrist is like no you're suffering from a broken heart this is a real syndrome people have died of this this is very real and we just need to put you on a path of not feeling happy but just starting to just comprehend that your mother's dead yeah okay you know great also like when they're like i'm going to suggest a psychiatrist and he doesn't even hand the card to carol the doctor when he's like diagnosing her he hands it to her husband and the look of disgust when he looks at the card and looks at carol like great now we have a psychiatrist involved like i i just wanted to hug this poor woman you, you know what i thought of like the whole movie now that you bring up like a noir in in like conjunction and it has <laughs> uh and we brought up Dean Norris. For, he's in Breaking Bad as well. Mm -hmm. I thought about Breaking Bad for a lot of the movie, how it is kind of noirish in New Mexico uh, and how he has this cancer that kind of hangs over him. But it's kind of uh, 
undetectable and about like these other ailments that he's bringing in from cooking this meth and and uh, uh his wife who's like totally turned against him and just totally gone cold and i see a lot of uh skylar in the julianne moore character but also once you get to like a, a better call saul and there's like the uh the body suits for like the sun to like to keep the rays out you could you could see a little bit of safe like influencing that director's whole universe so i didn't watch a lot of breaking bad no worries yeah no so but i have seen more of better call saul Mm. and the reason why is because when breaking bad came out i wanted to watch it and my ex-husband's like no that looks dumb so we didn't watch it (sighs) and then lo and behold i catch him watching it on netflix so i watched the first episode and the little episodes in between that i would like kind of float in the living room and out and i did watch the last episode with my friend because he wanted my best friend he wanted to watch it together and i'm like i you know he's like oh i'm gonna ruin it for you i'm like i don't care <laughs> like um it's it's fine so so i did see a lot of skylar i noticed skylar was very oh i need to save my husband i need to save my husband and mm. then they have this money and she doesn't care about it yeah. she has no problem stealing it when she's having that affair and her sister the kleptomaniac hank's <laughs> wife so i watched enough of it to know what's going on right so skylar skylar's character is very unique in the sense to me from what i witnessed i'm probably missing it is that first she cared for her husband and then when she realized oh wait he's actually a bad person that's wanted by the fbi and the you know nefarious people when when skylar stops caring about him and she has the affair and she's like spending his money that's when i really stopped giving skylar the amount of rope i was an empathy i was giving her a lot of people had turned against her um, yeah and her sister i forgot her her sister was always asking better than like she always had she was like the suburban housewife just telling skylar how to run her business and how to do this and how to do that mm. but yet bitch you stole like you stole a lot <laughs> like you're no different yeah. than, than anybody who and it's not like she stole because she was needing to feed her family or something. no she just stole to steal and then she'd have presents mm-hmm. and with breaking bad for example i really liked kim's character because mm-hmm. there was only so far she could go and when they went that far she ran away yeah i know i really enjoy her character especially much better written than skylar i think who's kind of messy she she is messy but she also like there's that scene where she has she's trying to do this presentation and then has a horrible car wreck because she's so exhausted right. and as she's her shoulders broken and she's like trying to collect all these like binders that she's worked super hard to get because she was so career driven and they had to do you know this presentation and she's still hurt and her pantyhose are ripped and she's all bloody and she's still trying to get the binders because she has to make it to this presentation and the ambulance driver's like no you're getting in the ambulance with us like i had a lot of empathy for kim i'm really happy the way the show ended having carol burnett was a surprise and i really liked that episode it's cool yeah Uh, but yeah i'm probably gonna in the winter watch breaking bad from beginning to end along with better call Saul. But some people were like, we well, might enjoy better call Saul because of the law aspect from it. And yeah. you kind of know what's happening. Um, and so I, I'm really, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up 
Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul because I do want to see it. It's it's all up online now. All the the all of the seasons yeah. together. I also like Vince Gilliam because he always likes to thank the people that inspired him, and there are a lot of inspiration, and especially yeah, with the New Mexico. So many. But I know you probably don't want to talk about it. But can I ask you one question about your um when you stayed at the facility in New Mexico? Oh, yeah, yeah. So is it is was the food good or was it just cafeteria there hospital? Was no prepared food. I had to make all my food. Um, oh, so they just kind of put you in a cabin and were like, "Here you go." Yeah, we went into town like every two weeks, and I got food for myself for a couple weeks, and then I just made it for myself. And then we stayed in little cabins, so we eventually had like you know house cabin cooks. Uh, one of us would make all the food for everyone, and then trade off. Huh. Wow! So, so no prepared food for a year. Wow! That but also been... like working on a ranch, and uh, it was interesting for me. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever, we spoke about Werner Herzog earlier, but did yeah. you ever watch this documentary of his called Lo and Behold? No. So it's about like people's um, life with technology and how like technology is affecting people and for the good and the bad. Like they interview this family whose daughter gets beheaded in a car accident and a one of the medics takes a picture of their daughter and put it online. Mm-hmm. And they had to sue and they lost because she had died. So they actually changed the rules on like who owns the imagery. Like that's the, what got Kobe Bryant's, the people that took pictures of Kobe Bryant and his right. daughter Gigi. Though That's why the sheriffs are in a lot of trouble and they lost their lawsuit. And I think they're in jail is because of this law, because of this family. But they he also goes to a community where where they live, you cannot have a cell phone. And they interview these people and they kind of describe what Carol went through. Like they are self-sufficient. They don't have that electricity. They live in this commune and they interview this woman. And she said, the minute I found out that I, I was getting affected by the cellular radiation that was coming in, like I could, she's like, I can feel it. I can tell when it is near me and Wi-Fi." And she's like, the minute I heard that you can have any of those items, I packed my bags and left my family and moved mm-hmm. here. And she lives in this little, like, like a tough shed. And then he interviews these other two women and they describe how they used to be in these little rooms and they were, they, they protected them from the radiation of cell phones and other like pollution that they were affecting. And they, I, when they show Carol's first safe room, quote unquote, it made me think of that movie. So if you want some homework, I would recommend to watch it because they is very similar to what, Carol sees is like they when Werner Hartzog is there and you only can you know show really do filming during the day because they mm-hmm. they won't allow a lot of electricity they barely allowed his cameras into this you know com- community they're just you know out in the field just kind of doing their thing playing their guitar just sitting around and one woman says the only time I've felt well about myself in the last 20 years was when I moved here yeah I, I think Taos, New Mexico is really interesting too because it's like a gravitational center. So there's like this strange environmental natural energy where it's a has a natural buzz. You could hear the mountains actually vibrating against themselves in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like this hum in the air that's you can't hear anything else at night, but this this strange um so that's why I think of when I think of New Mexico. I just hear that that low hum. 
See, do you remember in Twin Peaks when in the return when David's recording the mountains, you hear mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Because he said he could hear it. That's why he had it in there. Yeah. Which is when when I told you that story when I met the actress, and she's like, Yeah, he'd get really upset or need to clear his head. He'd go stare at the mountain and listen to it and you know, just stare at the mountain. I'm just like, Yes. <laughs> I love it. I but, think there's yeah, whole cultures that are maybe forgetting about the sound of being outdoors without any, you know, filtered uh noise pollution. Uh when COVID first happened, I remember stepping outside of my apartment and normally it was eerie. Right. Yeah, it was. I also lived like at the bottom of a canyon because there was like houses above me. Mm. And I remember it was the first time I could actually like hear the rocks that were falling from the the cliff. Interesting. It was so quiet. (laughs) I'm just like dead quiet. Even even downtown, I could hear the water. It was very strange. Yeah, my I didn't live in West Seattle, but my neighbor uh, who owns the property, he lived in Magnolia, and he said he could he could actually hear the birds fishing <laughs> for their dinner because it's sitting outside. Yeah. And there's actually a really interesting, I forgot what I read so much of like the earth is healing itself when mm-hmm. we didn't fly. They also said like the vibration of the earth was down to 50% because we weren't flying across the planet. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you, you know, speaking of safe, you remember Carol is driving and she's in her freeway and she's listening to this weird AM radio early, like Christian doom and gloom. And like what that woman says is just terrifying. Just, yeah. you know, I say <laughs> this and and the reporter, the the DJ is like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> and she goes around these trucks and then she's coughing 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 and trying to turn and swerving and i swear she was going to just crash into one of those cars Hmm. and that's that honestly kicks off everything all every event from that point forward it's just it's just another another wait another wait another wait until she feels she has to leave to new mexico and it's it's really well done and i really am glad that she got her oscar for being Alice where she plays another woman with an ailment where she's, you know, she's slowly losing her memory and just Julianne Moore is incredible. I, Oh, I should share this. So during COVID, of course, a lot of celebrities are being very active on social media. Mm -hmm. And so she put out a thing like, Hey, if you wear a mask, like let's keep wearing masks guys kind of sit pose, tag Mm -hmm. yourself, tag me and make sure you know you're wearing a mask because i said so and so i wore it i had it like a depeche mode uh, the cover of depeche mode violator and i put a flower in my hair mm. and i said wearing a mask is fun because you can you have a place to tuck your flower in between your hair but in your hair and she liked it and she said beautiful on it and i was like oh my god julianne moore saw me or her assistant <laughs> or whatever Who i do knows? love her i think yeah, she's she- uh, always good she was good in shortcuts and into this and just like a very interesting like career where she gets to do both things she gets to be popular and artsy she was she did an interview once on npr and she talked about how um from heaven when because they talked about a relationship with todd haynes Mm -hmm. and she was pregnant in the production of that movie so Mm -hmm. her skirts had to keep going higher and 
and higher so they can hide her little baby bump. <laughs> yeah. And she says she always loves watching that movie because one, it's her first time that she gets nominated for an Oscar or got really like that's when her name really just started flying around. And so they asked her like, you know, oh, you've worked with a lot of, you know, male directors and, you know, you work a lot with Todd Haynes. And why is that? And she's like, I don't know. He just says he's, you know, we're friends. And every time we hang out together, he'll anytime he wants to be get inspired, he'll come and live with me and then oh, he'll write a movie for me. That's so cool that he actually like goes and stays with her because they do seem like such Julianne Moore movies. They're good vehicles for. Yeah. Um, Maybe we need to close it up. I think I need to get going here. But, oh, yeah. Uh, we have, Here we go. Talking our... <laughs> <laughs> we got two hours in on, on safe and Mariners. Oh, I think that's probably that's good. sufficient. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's also Sunday. I should probably go to bed early. You know, watch yeah, some Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you have any like uh, parting thoughts? Or, like, what's your final... Uh, what do you want to leave people with about safe? Well, if you watch safe... If, if you're very sensitive to seeing someone suffer, definitely have your your skills, your your safe plan. I know I'm using that word <laughs> like ready yeah. because it, it can be triggering. And especially, you know, now that I know that you had a heavy heart, I can understand why like the empathy really went towards this character. Yeah. You know, they're fictional, but they, they mean they matter to you and they matter to me. That's why it's good to watch horror movies during trauma because your <laughs> yeah, empathy because level is so high. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you you need to understand people like that too suffer in real life and they yeah. they don't have the money and wealth that she did and they still have to go about their lives and put a smile on their face and yep. So just remember when you watch this movie, this is an allegory for AIDS and we all know how that was treated and know and understand that when Todd Haynes made this movie, this is his first attempt to make a movie on his own for himself. Mm -hmm. And they even had to create a production company so they could make this movie. They made it for like a million dollars, I believe. Yeah, like, it's so cheap. low. Yeah, yeah, cheap. That movie is cheap and it's so beautiful. It doesn't and look cheap. It doesn't No, it doesn't cheap. look cheap. I think they, I want to figure out how they got, I think they had like a rich friend that was like, hey, can we use this movie? Or they went to one of those like mm -hmm. model homes that were for sale because you also see the the homes being built around her. Right. Uh, that was another yeah. thing too. It was like, it, it was the white flight is all the people, you know, that son, you know, all the blood, you know, just, just crazy speech. But I, I, I really, I can't say I love safe. I, I, I appreciate safe and safe is a movie where you, there is no happy ending. There is no answers. Cause we never know what's wrong with her. We never know what's her diagnosis. We never understand what triggered it. And we don't know much about this woman. It's like, you're honestly just like walking into somebody's life and observing it from like a glass, like, you know, like a zoo. Yeah. So just really just, I know some of us, including myself, we have these very large empathetic hearts and just know that, you know, there are people like that in our life that silently suffer and maybe just maybe ask a friend, hey, are you okay? Because I'm here to listen. I think that's a perfect place to go out. Thank you so much, Perla. I appreciate okay, thank you. Thank you. No problem. Thank you.
in my conversations and I post them online for entertainment. It's nice to know. At least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world. Things have changed. Everybody's entertaining. Who's being entertained? Thank you. Mine out of all the voices.